Hi, you're listening to Celluloid Cards Wallop with James and Gemma. Sit down and enjoy yourself, grab a snack and have some fun. everybody and welcome to this week's celluloid cods follow-up i am joined as ever by the wonderful by the brilliant joanne how are we doing joanne doing okay james i'm so glad we didn't record about half an hour earlier because the farmers are out in the fields where i live spreading shit everywhere and uh, i got a wee bit noisy around here <laughs> i thought oh no we're going to be recording shortly and the farmers are still spreading their shit and it's pitch black outside so they obviously have a better they have a better work ethic than I do because I down tools quite some hours ago. Ah, but it's all good and you're you're well and happy and safe. Yeah, yeah. So far, so good. Getting excited and thought of getting a, a vaccine at some point. Hope mm. everybody else is too. Yep. Uh, I hope. Uh, well, just to echo what Joanna said, I hope everybody's safe and well. Uh, we hope things are going to be good because we do have this habit. As soon as we start recording together, something r- really crazy and awful happens. So uh, hopefully that will not happen this time. Um, the only bit of bad news we've had uh, for dating this for today is that Christopher Plummer has died. Uh, the actor, yes. but he, you know, it's very sad. He's in some of my favourite bits of work, but you know. Very good innings at 91. Yeah, these days, that's a great innings. Uh, mm. I, I couldn't believe it. I was kind of shocked. To be honest, it was one of those names that comes up and you think, he was still alive? Yeah. Lots of things to say, but it's just the shock of it because he was in The Sound of Music and you tend to think of that as about a million years ago. Well, it is to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. But yeah, very talented guy. And somebody who I could imagine could have played a part in the film we're discussing today so last week we are or, or in our last sorry cellulite codswell last week however you want to whatever this will fall uh we discussed a film that we <laughs> didn't have a lot of love for which was uh, no. Cap- <laughs> yeah well actually well it was last week week for us because we recorded yes. it last week so i can understand why you said yeah this is uh massively different hugely different this is because you chose it this time james i chose catwoman yes. and you chose this one i was given the option to choose a film and i chose a film that's probably it it's it, uh it's divisive amongst people but we've chosen a very specific iteration of this film so the film we're going to be discussing in this episode is Batman versus Superman, but it is the uh, the deluxe definitive edition, which was kind of like the um, the director's cut of it, and that's going to be quite interesting. Since it's a Zack Snyder film, and obviously later on this year we're going to be seeing the uh, Snyder cut of Justice League, and to me this has been really interesting because. I really do love this film. I love it in uh, in all its forms, but this specific version of it is a real uh, favourite of mine. And interestingly, Joanne had never seen it in this nope. format. Um, so I was going to start by just sharing a little bit of history for when I saw this film, and I, uh, I'm hoping Joanne can do the same. And when I say see, I don't mean this specific edition. I must be, uh, you know, in general, and a bit of history to it. So 
Obviously, there were loads of different uh, versions of Superman, definitively seen as Chris Reeve. The follow-on from that film-wise had been Superman Returns, a film which, again, it has fans, uh, those who love it, those who hate it. I love it, but I'm probably in the minority on that one. Um, but... Uh, looking so looking at Batman vs Superman, and we're going to be to, today be looking at the Ultimate Edition. But I still have an incredibly strong memory of uh, well, obviously we had the Man of Steel come out, and there was going to be a follow up. But I have this wonderful strong memory of the day that I saw that Ben Affleck had been cast as Batman, and it was announced on a website called Superhero Hype, and I was just like, wow, that's going to be different. And I actually text one of my friends, uh, Ben Buckley, who is a listener of this uh, of the podcast, and who I actually saw Batman vs Superman with. But I'm getting ahead of myself, so I remember texting him saying they've said Ben Affleck's going to play Batman, and his response about something like "Wow," uh, it was words were "Wow," you know, I can see that's going to work. I can see that, and I sort of felt the same way about it. So I was wondering, Joanne, from your point of view, if it was something that, you know, you have memories of when he was announced, did it have an impact on you, but negative, positive, do you even remember it? Vaguely, I didn't have any negative reaction to it. I didn't like Christopher Nolan's Batman. I thought Christian Bale makes a much better serial killer than he did Batman. Because he still sounds to me like he was Officer Cartman with that awful voice. <laughs> so I was looking forward to replacement Batman, and certainly I, I didn't mind uh, Affleck. Now, he had a bit of a reputation at the time for, I think he, he had gambled, gambling debts and all sorts of things were going about it. He had a bit of scandal about him. But yeah. I thought, well, yeah, okay. He did, he'd have problems with alcoholism, and well, yeah. they, they unfortunately did resurface again in his life. But And I think probably the stink on him at the time was because he played Daredevil. Um, oh, yes. Which had not done well. No, it wasn't a great film, but I think this is before Marvel sort of got their shit together and worked out what the strong point was of their characters. It was very average film. I remember watching that at the time because uh, the female lead in it, uh, who played Electra, Jennifer Dufer, who was married actually to Ben. Uh, yeah, Jennifer Garner. She was yeah. in, yeah, she was in Alias, which was a really good series at the time. Yeah, and the whole thing just let everybody down. It was quite evident that that was the, that was bad writing that killed that film. They just couldn't. I think do you know, in some ways, I think they were trying to copy DC a wee bit at that point. They yeah. hadn't quite found their own voice. So, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I quite like the thought of having an older Batman because I love Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns so much. And it is actually mentioned that that was uh, a source of inspiration for mm. this movie. And I could, see, I could see it as soon as I went to see it in the cinema. And I hadn't realized at that point that Frank Miller's work had been considered, you know, well, not considered, had been an inspiration for it. And as soon as I watched it, I thought, there's a bit there from Frank's. Yeah, it's very Frank Miller there. Mm. Oh, yeah, there's, it's quite political. So I, I was quite quite excited about it. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it in the movies uh, mm. because I, I know a lot of people give off like fuck about it. And there's no other way to say it. It still gets slick yeah. to this day. It does, yeah. Quite, yeah, I thought it was quite unfair. Uh, I must admit, I'm more of a DC person than Marvel. I'll watch very similar. Marvel and I'll enjoy it. Yeah, but it's not. Those aren't the characters that I fell in love with. Batman's mm. the character that I fell in love with, and other DC heroes. So 
for me, yes, people are losing their mind at the moment about one division, but I'm just, I'm just enjoying it as a bit of entertainment and not something that mm-hmm. means anything to me. I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I, I've enjoyed one division a lot, but I'm very similar to you in the fact that I don't, I like the, uh, you know, the Marvel films, but I'm not as invested in them character wise and history wise as I am with, you know, the DC, uh, mm-hmm. films, the DC characters. Um, I mean, going back to like a memory I have from this film, uh, and again, I'll, I'll probably, well, I will make reference to my friend Ben Buckley again, because I remember the conversation he and I had when Affleck were being cast. Um, and I think probably around the time we'd seen trails and things, and he just said, despite what people say about Affleck, if you are, re- and I agree with him, if you're really honest about it, there's nobody else they could have cast. You know, he, yep. he visually, he's, he's right for the part. He's a, you know, he looks brilliant. He's a very good actor. And really, if you stack it all up, I believe at the time there is no one else they could have cast. And I agree with him on that point. I, cu- I could not see anybody else stepping into this. I know people sort of said Josh Brolin and other people, but I just don't think there is anybody else that would have worked in this role. Um, what, what, and, I, and again, I'm going to go a bit of history on this. So when, when I saw it at the cinema, I was very lucky enough to see it on the first day it was ever released. Um, and I remember again, I, cause I'd gone with my friend Ben and was sat watching it and I, ju- uh, and to give a memory of the, the thing I saw, the opening of this film retreads on the, the, the killing of the Waynes. And it's something we've seen before. And I remember thinking the way it was shot, the whole style of it, it had never been done that way before at all. And I remember thinking in the cinema, this is going to be a completely different beast to anything I've ever seen in the way it was shot. Because, and I even remember discussing that with my dad, so I took him to see it at later as well. And we both said the same thing. You'd never ever seen the style of that opening um, in the way that the, the characters, that it was filmed, the way the characters were shown. And I just think from a visual standpoint, a film execution standpoint, it's brilliant. And I still remember the scene. This is just at the start where you're seeing... Bruce at his parents' funeral and my friend gave me a nudge Ben gave me a nudge and just nodded at me and gave me the thumbs up so at that point, for us, we felt we were going something really good and starting to enjoy it Yeah, and, that that was well done it was so comic-like yeah. I, yes. I, I, yes, I hadn't seen that sort of, okay, we've had 300 in Sin City, which were direct lifts from Frank Miller's work mm-hmm. but Yes, there had that had that comic feel about it. Definitely, the way it was draws you into the death of his parents, and of course, you have his dad whispering his mum's name as he's dying, Martha. Mm. And even the, the business about the pearls, the pearls was always very, was very important in in the comics. Mm. Um, uh, it it meant a lot to Bruce. I think at one point, actually, he even goes under the sewer and manages to find some of the the pearls. I could be making that up, but I, I seem to think that being in a storyline somewhere, but. The whole idea of that was it became synonymous with the execution because that's really what it was in the end of his mm. of his uh, parents. Whether it was done deliberately or whether it was just Joe Chill acting on his own. There's been all sorts of theories over the years and storylines mm-hmm. that have looked at that. But yeah, I, I know there, there can be a problem sometimes with movies, with superhero movies, that they feel the need to... Go all the way back to start again. Oh my goodness, here we go again. Here's an origin story. Every time we get a, a 
you know, Spider-Man, Batman, whoever it is, you have to see their origin story. And as an older fan, as in not so not so much age, but if you if you've if you've appreciated the characters for a long, long time, it, that can get a wee bit tiring. But yes, I agree, it was done well. Definitely it was done well and on it, this occasion. And it was the way they did that shot of the pearls around the gun. That's what felt different for me when they wrapped around the gun um for that shot. But what what I, I also love when you watch this film is it places it does things that no other sort of film had done on the continuity. So you saw why Bruce was against, you know, Superman, because you see him being there at the point, which you would see in the early film where uh, Zod and uh, Superman are fighting and destroying Metropolis. And, you know, um, you see, uh, you know, Bruce watching that unfold and then rushing to try and ensure that his staff are safe. At Wayne Tower, but also getting, I'm assuming, like the chief executive Wayne Tower, wherever it is, out, you know, time to try and get the staff out. But you see the whole fight between Zod and Superman where it destroys the um, the building and, and the people dying. Mm-hmm. And then he does this, he do, I mean, you, you see it a bit more even in this, the, uh, you know, the, the cut we're looking at now, where like you have Bruce doing, and it is basically a rip from reality of September the 11th. You see him running into the the flames to try and, you know, I guess, save the people, at least see what can be done. And then you see extended cuts of like, you know, not we we were discussing this a bit yesterday, saying about there were nods to other things. And you see like a horse wandering through, which is supposed to be a nod to the Dark Knight Returns. Um, And just, yeah, I think that's a a great piece of setup to see. Probably would be a reasonably realistic situation as well. Someone wandering through in shock, try and, and the fallout, what happens to people that you probably wouldn't normally see in a comic book film. Yeah, that I was delighted to see that because, from what I remember, I I haven't watched the cinema standard cinema version now for it must be a couple of years, and I think I maybe watched it mm-hmm. twice at the time. It was it was a bit hit and miss at that point. Bruce runs in and then he kind of runs out again with the child. But that mm. there you get to see how he rescues that young girl. And most mm. important of all, the effect that it had on Bruce. Mm. His disgust at the fact that these two mythical, almost mythical godlike beings are fighting their way through his city mm. and destroying left, right. Well, not his city, sorry, it's Metropolis. Destroying left, right and centre with no apparent worry about the consequences. This is mm. what this film does. This film deals with what are the consequences. If you do something uh, like that, yeah. there is a consequence. We uh, have like recently, yeah. Yeah, go on. Sorry, John. Uh, no, I was just going to say, um, it's a bit like Cap- the Capitol Hill um, yeah. intrusion recently. If you do things like that, there's consequences for it. Mm. And for Superman, there was a consequence. And that, that's something I really do like about this film. I remember even seeing the trailer where you're seeing, we're not going to do the whole breakdown that we've done in the past of films, because frankly, in this case, it's a three-hour film, which means if we, if John and I discussed it piece by piece, it'd probably be about an eight-hour podcast. <laughs> so if you, if you want that, we can do it. And frankly, we, we would well... We'd love it with this film. So, Salty Tapos, if you want that, you know, drop us an email. We can make that eight-hour podcast happen. Um, but- uh, sh- sh- listen, can you hear it? That, that's Gemma screaming, no! <laughs> 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 uh, 
Get over it, she had to say she'd be... Yes, kill yeah. us. <laughs> yep, sticking pins in the voodoo dolls. But <laughs> you are right on this idea with the film that it's the reality for that because you see... The, the, I mean, it's even mentioned after the first film, this sheer level of destruction that, that happens. You know, What would the reality of that be? What I like also in the extended cut is when you see the original film and you see Lois and she's interviewing the warlord, you know, the the cameraman gets killed and that's all we know. The cameraman's been killed. In the extended cut, it becomes apparent that really Zack Snyder doesn't have a lot of love for Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, does he? No. <laughs> he was the fastest Jimmy Olsen. I mean, put it this way, yeah. Jimmy Olsen was even, his death was even faster than Superman could fly. And that was the thing about the African scene. Again, with the extended cut, because it was really confusing. Uh, Superman mm. didn't really come up, come off very well. Actually, in that scene, you could almost... He came across as somebody that was a bit of a megalomaniac who would do anything to rescue Lois. Whereas mm. what we see there is, Lois is there for a reason. She's there to interview the warlord. And Lex Luthor has something set up, a, a way to free him, Superman. Now, apparently that was the KGB beast, is Luthor's yes. uh, henchman, I which I had no idea. Yeah, yes. another big, yeah. another big. Um, uh, he was one of Batman's villains, actually. Mm. I was really shocked when I read later on it was KGB beast, but it shows how they actually put in place how they framed Superman because mm. that was a very, very important scene that runs the consequences and and the uh, the after effects runs all the way through that film, but because yeah. of the way it came across in the cinema version. I hadn't a clue what the hell was going on. It, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It just looked like Clark was selfishly rescuing Lois. And yes, okay, there was he always does because that's that's the one thing about the character. But it it came it came across differently here, and I thought it was better for Lois because the character of Lois in the cinema version was a bit. It's she was doing all this investigating, but she wasn't. You weren't sure exactly how or how she was even coming up with these, with these suggestions and clues and and, and the tip off she was getting. And you were sort of getting the wee bits that that, that would have happened. Oh well, I see how I to describe this. You were kind of getting the end of the story each time Lois found something. It was the end of that, but you didn't know what the lead up was. So what's happened with this film is to use use a mathematical exam thing is. Zack Snyder showed his working out. You always get yes. marks in an exam paper for showing yeah. you're working out. And before we were getting the answer, but we weren't getting how you, you know, Zack's working out. How did he get there? How did Lois get there? And I think for Lois herself, it was great. She was a fully fleshed, fully formed character because of this. And I actually really liked her in it. Whereas before I just thought, yeah, whatever. There's Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Grant. Didn't mean I anything. Mean, you were, yeah, you're spot on when you were saying that this film basically fills in so many blanks um, in the extended cut of things that just... It, 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 what's always the analogy they use? You know, we maybe got, you know, uh, so we'll say on a food front, you know, you might have got, say, a bit of vegetable uh, and some sauce. But in this time, you've got the full sit-down, like, three-course meal that oh, gives yes. you this whole wonderful dining experience. And one thing I absolutely love, and I still remember this in the cinema, is the first introduction we get of Batman. Because we've never really seen Batman. 
where he's, he's like, you know, it's almost like a horror film the way he's introduced. Um, you know, he's just like this, well, not to give away too much, but this guy who has been human trafficking has been beaten senseless by Batman. The police are in there. It's some old falling apart building, which I remember when they showed that image of it before the film, they going, maybe this could be Wayne Manor. No, it's just some dilapidated old house. Even I could work that out on the pictures. But <laughs> that, it's, yeah, Batman is like a proper horror character. This He's just like pinned up, I guess, like a bat or an animal of some sort, just in the corner of the room. And yeah, it's incredibly atmospheric. Incredibly oh, yes. atmospheric. Well, by gum, did I, I uh, was just so fangirling at this point because again, this, even though it wasn't exactly the same, the same story, but the same, that had the same feeling as in a scene in Bat and Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, mm. um, where Batman comes back again after retirement, and he's be- mm-hmm. beating up a criminal in a dis- uh, in a disused house, and two cops have come yeah. across him, and the younger police officer draws his firearm on Batman, and uh, Batman, uh, you know, he's he's interrogating the suspect, and the young cop saying, "Get away from him," and all, and because <laughs> uh, Batman's breaking the guy's legs, and the older cop says, "Don't worry about it. He's new." Sorry, Batman, he's new. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not know who that is? But it was that same, my goodness, Batman is actually extremely lethal. You've, yeah. I'm frightened of Batman in this. Not not literally, mm. obviously. Maybe slightly aroused, but not frightened. <laughs> but he um, he is a genuinely sinister person in this with mm. lethal skills. Anything that he touches, he is, I mean, he's massively intelligent. And his weapon mm. handling's fantastic. He's armed, armed, hand to hand combat. There's nothing that he can't do, and you believe it. You mm. absolutely believe it. And this is, this is the dark. This is the Dark Knight. This is the Batman, who it goes all the way back to the beginning of Batman's history when the bat comes when when Bruce is injured and he's sitting in the, the big high back chair in Wayne Manor in the library, and the bat comes through the window. And that inspires him to become Batman, and he, and because he thinks that criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot, I shall become a bat. And mm. this is this is that bat. This isn't Mambi Pambi bat. This is a proper bat. And he wears a material based suit rather than an armor. So mm. I mean, he's he's a hard bastard. I mean, I, I love watching this film. So the difference between the way you see, well, when you see Clark and Lois together, it's you know, there's nice, there's romance, there's happiness, and then it it it, it cuts to like you know Bruce uh, in the um, going into the cave where it's him and Alfred. But I still, to, even watching it now, excuse me, still have the same sort of thing when I see um, Affleck. Where I'm like, Jesus, the guy's massive. <laughs> when mm-hmm. you first see him coming down in that, uh, in, you know, in the lift these arms sort of crossed. The guy got humongous for this. Oh, Humongously did. muscular. And, big. and do, you know, do you know what was even huge. better in the, in the just, but it's about 30 minutes, but it feels like so much more has been added to the film. Simple 30 minutes is like night and day. Any detractors out there, just go and watch it. You'll not be disappointed. Most of all, you can see, well, the happiest bit for me, baby, was whenever you see Affleck naked, naked in the shower. <laughs> and there's his bum. And I thought, well, that alone was worth the 30 minutes. Never mind the fact that I really enjoyed the movie. 
I got yeah, to the, see Alfred. Fl- Mostly tone, yeah, but. Yeah, Batfleck put the hours in in the gym, definitely. I think he said he was doing like two hours a day as soon as he was cast. He just, uh, I, at all credit to him, um, it was evident that um, he was he was fit for it. He was ready for it. Mm. Uh, I mean, Henry C- Cavill looks amazing as Superman. For if I wasn't a massive fan of his because of mm-hmm. Superman, uh, Superman's not a character that resonates with me like Batman does. Yes, I like the was it Richard Donner films from from the seventies uh, as a as a kid. No, I thought that was great. But and there was Lois and Clark. Uh, no, was it wasn't that Lois and Clark? There was a TV series. I remember it. It well, was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed watching that. But I, I come on, John. We 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 met at a um at, at, oh, a, yes. <laughs> where they were both where both. <laughs> Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane were there. <laughs> oh, I'm such a tube. That's right, we did. How could I forget that? <laughs> Ironically, and I'm dressed as Batwoman, and there's Superman there. So again, it all kind of it all comes back to that. Oh gosh, that's right, I forgot about that. See, two years, and I feel like I've, I've aged about a million years because of lockdown. Yeah. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> it was terrible. So Superman, yeah. Whenever I seen the cinema version. Superman came across as really creepy to me, like, like like sort of panty sniffer creepy, the way he would look at Lois. And there's a scene where she's in the bath and he's mm-hmm. sort of standing there looking at her. And I thought, uh-huh. You know, for a good-looking guy, you're coming across here is really, really creepy. And I just imagined going through her underwear and all when she wasn't there, particularly the dirty underwear. And it's just... Having, having a super sniff. <laughs> yeah, from about a mile away. <laughs> He just, he, he, he didn't, he didn't appeal to me. But I have to honestly say that in this film, I thought he was bloody brilliant. I, I really enjoyed. Um, and if that would encourage me to go now and watch his Superman movies, whereas before I thought, yeah, whatever. But yes, he's still not as sexy as Affleck though. Even though they made Affleck look older, he'd still get it. Marks out of ten, I'd give him one. <laughs> It's uh, but it is. I mean, it's an interesting thing when you're watching it, and I, I do love with this film. Uh, and uh, again, it's more evident in this cut. You were seeing uh, the the reality, and you, you hit on it earlier the fact of what would happen if a, um, you know, if some some super powered god was like destroying the planet. Um, well, destroying the planet, but in the process of fighting his enemy, of destroying an entire city, what would the outcome be? What would the reality be? And you see it throughout this film in a bit more detail, don't you? Certainly, like the interaction of people who'd supposedly been in the village where uh, Superman had killed people, but in fact been uh, the people who were, who were Luther's uh, mm-hmm. right-hand men led by the KGB beast. Um, the, the, you see the backlash, and it is realistic backlash. So I think what would happen? I mean, Christ, like you said, you look at things that happen in America, you look at stuff just in the world in general, there's always some sort of fallout from something happening. But, I mean, I, I just think they did do very well. You saw further, you know, just better linkage between scenes in this film than you would ever have seen other stuff. Like, for example, when you go and see Clark Kent go into the city, in Metropolis to try and learn more mm-hmm. things about what was going on that you never saw in the original cut. You see people interacting with him. Um, I mean, particularly in this film, I do love the interaction between uh, Bruce Wayne and Alfred. 
Oh yes. I, I was I was initially unsure what the casting would work like with Jeremy Irons, um, but I think he was a very good choice because by God, some of it makes me laugh. <laughs> but also oh, there yeah. are serious moments as well. Yeah, I I would I want them to be my new favorite gay couple because <laughs> the bitchiness that goes on between the two of them and Jeremy Irons was he's more than just a butler in this. He is a man of all traits. He is more like. It's maybe more like the Alfred. There's a new series on. You can get it through stars at the moment. And we got a got a subscription for 99p for three months because I just wanted to see Pennyworth. Uh, Pennyworth, oh, sorry. Yeah, Pennyworth. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it is really good. Um, this is about uh, Alfred whenever he was really young. I think he's about 26, 27. He's just come out of the SAS. And it's a slightly alternative reality. By gum, he is, he is the, the Alfred Bat. <laughs> I'm mm. trying to think what 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 sort of really cool super superhero name we get, but he um, he's just a, the, the fellow that plays it in that. He is absolutely brilliant. Um, even his hair, he has a widow pig hairline, and it's and he just rocks the '60s look, and he teams up with Martha and and uh, what do you call Bruce's dad? Jonathan oh, is it Jonathan? Thomas, Thomas, Thomas sorry, Wayne, is it? Thomas, yeah, yeah it's Jonathan Clark's, and uh, he he ends up working along them, uh, solving something. I don't really want to go into too much details in case you haven't seen it, and it's absolutely superb. But that hardest Neil Salford is um, Jeremy Irons in years to come with a bit more polish. Yeah, I thought Jeremy I mean, did a fantastic job. I mean, I always got, certainly on the scene where you're seeing, you know, uh, Bruce and uh, he's at the party. So when you first see him meeting Clark and they're having a bit of a, an argument, uh, a disagreement of the way, you know, Superman acts and Batman acts, things like that. I got a real James Bond vibe because you've got, you know, Clark, uh, sorry, Bruce is looking very smooth and he's, you know, getting spoken to through a hidden earpiece by Alfred, it felt very much James Bond style spying to me. You know, he's putting a gadget in place to to monitor things. Uh, but of course, the thing is, that in this sort of world, Clark can hear this conversation quite easily. Yes, <laughs> wasn't that really funny? That was really good. Again, that was closer to the comics because Alfred and Bruce would have had, it would have been in contact and comms all the time. Yeah. But we actually come to a part in the movie that disappointed me, and that's the Go server on. room scene. Because I'm in an information really? security, yes, yeah. that annoyed the hell out of me. You do not leave your server room vulnerable to attack that way. <laughs> that was out in the public. It wasn't locked behind, and I don't know what sort of other protection they had, but that was the the one bit of the film that really annoyed me from a professional point of view. I thought that was so bad. That was just open to attack, and he had, and if the, the sort of things that he would have on that. Yes, he had military-style encryption, and it was, so it was, it's encryption at rest. But no, no, I just I thought that was that let it down a wee bit. I wish Bruce had been able to get the information in a better way. But what saved it for me was the fact that Diana was actually able to come along. Yes, and lift lift off that. I don't know what it was, some man in the middle type device or whatever it was they were using, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought that that was quite funny that bit because just the way she looks at Bruce is just go, uh huh, too bad son, <laughs> I've got it first. Yeah. Because let's even, get on to yeah, Diana. She goes she's after brilliant. Her. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she was so <clears throat> cool. When I, uh, and I do feel bad about this, but when this film first came out, I remember again, I do feel bad that when we'd seen, you know, again, I'll mention Ben because he was Ben Buckley, my friend's a listener of this, huge comic book fan. Uh, you know, very much into films like me. Uh, we were discussing this, and we didn't really know if Gal Gadot would be good enough to carry her own sort of film, because uh, the way she was in this. But I've got to say, by God, we were proven wrong, because she's like one of the most standout, uh, you know, people in the DC universe now. She's done incredibly yeah. well. Um, she was great in this. She, I was really excited about her, because there was a now there was a um, an actor that I was worried about. Because mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is more Amazonian like, strong, strapping, and notice for me, I would have liked to have seen somebody with quite a lot of muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had this ex model who was, I mean, she's stunning face wise, mm-hmm. she looks apart, but she was quite petite. Mm-hmm. But I believed it whenever she threw a punch yeah. in that, or she used the sword, or her, her, her bracelets, or the shield, I believed it. She was outstanding in this, and she also had that that air of sophistication and conf- and confidence with some from somebody who had been around for however millennia long she she's been around mm. for. I, I I believed her, I really did, and she she um she sort of in some way she led Bruce on, but she didn't. Not I think she allowed Bruce to think that he might have a chance. Whereas <laughs> she's not really interested, because as we find out later on, she's still madly in love with Steve, and uh, in, in the other films. Yeah. But she was intelligent enough. Uh, yeah. To, she didn't manipulate him as such, but she allowed him to think whatever it is he wanted to think, and then taught him a lesson. Yeah. That in fact, you know, boys don't normally don't normally want to share, and yes, <laughs> she took it. She wasn't necessarily stealing the information. She was going to share it again. Admittedly, Bruce, I think, kind of did learn from it because he comes back to her later on with the photograph and then, who are you? This is the photograph you're looking for. This is you. So the re- the relationship between Bruce and Diana, I thought, was very well handled too. I mean, go- going back to the film, one of the scenes that I, I really like, it's, it's not a uh, an action scene of any sort. It again ties in throughout to what would happen if you had this alien uh, being uh, creating, you know, complete ripples uh, in the way society is held together, which is the scene where it's just newscasters, uh, you know, talking to real people. Actually, if you've got Neil deGrasse Tyson there, talking to real mm-hmm. people, discussing if it was a real life situation, everything would be turned on its head. And I think that is a, as a, you know, a scene, I just think it's a great scene. Really, because it gives you an, the element of real, you know, an element of reality to a, a fantasy film, doesn't it? It does, and again, Frank Miller did that in his in his work too. Yes, uh, the, the the scenes were intercut with news, and you actually started to follow particular news reporters. Um, so you kind of built up a wee bit of a relationship in the story with them, uh, and uh, and obviously with what was going on too. Yes, I, I like that. Because I think the film, I think it played in many ways not as a superhero movie for Agreed. half of it. Yeah, mm, very it played much true. like a thriller. And you could 
I think if you had just expected pure superhero superhero works from the beginning, you might have been bored during that time. But for me, it it, it built it up slowly. Um, it was a slow burner to start start with because that's the way a thriller is, and you don't expect a thriller element element in a Batman film in a Superman film, and that's what they gave us at the beginning. And that unfortunately was lost in the cinema cut. Because they'd taken, Very true. taken those those 30 minutes of what was effectively the thriller part of the story, that, that the end of the story was great in the cinema, probably a wee bit better because it was all the dynamics and, you know, and the, and the action. And you see that on the big screen and that feels fantastic. But we lost what, what the thriller aspect, that main storyline that got them to the, the action scenes. But you need to, as I said before, you need to see how somebody gets there to really appreciate it when it happens. Yeah, and it was the the other element, because like in this from the showing, how, let's be honest, psychotic Batman actually is. You know, because he's going around for one thing, he's branding people. He's not just like beating criminals up, he's branding them. Uh, And you see that what's happening in prison is like people have been killed in prison by, you know, in the population for the or they're certainly more certainly marked when they've been branded and something you see in the extended cut that you don't see in the original cut is these pictures of people who've been like killed and mutilated in prison but there's also a scene in the extended cut where an actor called uh, a bodybuilder called ct fletcher uh kills a guy in prison uh under you know the under, with a push from um somebody who works for um you know lex luther uh the mm-hmm. shiver guy to death which yeah, is something you don't and, see and in again, any of the cuts. No, you don't. And I hadn't actually realised. Now that was the one thing that in the cinema cut confused me. I thought Batman's branding these people. Why? Why are they being killed in prison? Surely hmm. it would matter to the prison populace whether somebody's the Batman symbol on. That they've just been caught by Batman. But I read something today that said that the reason why Lex was having these people bumped off was to anger Clark. To build mm-hmm. up that Batman's really bad, Batman needs stopped. Um, at, here, look, look, uh, look at Superman. Look what he's doing. Look what he's done in Africa. He he knows who Bruce Wayne is. He knows who Clark Kent is. Um, let's let's try and get these two colossus together and fight the bit out. Now, here's a question I wanted to ask you. Go on. Or well, maybe it's more an observation in some ways. Um, I could not exactly wrap my head around why Lex wanted to wipe out Superman whether it was jealousy or whether he thought he was doing it for the greater good because we see that painting in his office and it's about uh, I don't know whether it was Lucifer falling from heaven or whether he was rising rising. I can't quite remember I actually meant to look up the painting don't know whether it was the armies of hell starting to rise against the armies of heaven but why 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 was Lex so obsessed with Superman yeah, I mean, it was a, it's something that I found a bit strange. I can only think it's because, well, he seems to have, uh, yeah, I'm not even sure even I, maybe that's a huge, massive plot hole or something we've missed. Uh, he seemed to dislike the fact, that I'm assuming it's a power thing to a degree, you know, it's the fact he makes a comment about, you know, people cannot be all powerful to be good. And he, yeah, I wonder if there's a huge element of jealousy there. Because if you think mm-hmm. about it, well, I'm going to, Indulge me for a minute, Joanne. So before this film even came out, before we even really knew something about it, I wrote my own little bit of like fan 
fic, which was like an idea of an interaction between Bruce and Lex. And to be fair, I actually sort of hit the nail on the head reasonably well. So I thought, well, Lex is going to be some weird sort of nerdy looking like, you know, uh, um, uh, what's the guy called? The guy who runs Facebook, which means I'm not going to be banned oh, uh, from Facebook for life. <laughs> Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg? Uh, yeah, Matt Zuckerberg. So somebody would be a bit like him. And, like, you know, Bruce would be some pretty cool, suave-looking guy, um, which I sort of hit the nail, head, uh, nail on the head with. So I'm assuming, certainly with this, Lex, a lot of it is jealousy and inferiority in the fact that he's he sort of feels that he's had a bad lot in life and the way he's treated by his family, certainly by his father. So I wonder if it comes from that and just a distrust, I guess, of, like, the perfect person. Yeah. Superman against the patheticness that is legs. Yes, uh, it's like a, a battle of wills. I can't beat you physically, but I can beat you intellectually. I, I mean, the choice of Lex was unusual. Yeah. Uh, I know the actor wanted it to never be compared to Gene Hackman and the other Lex Luthers that's been in various other series before. But I mean, it, I think it, his character was better in the in the extended cut. Uh, you mm. got to know a wee bit more about him. Yes, uh, I'd agree I, with you that. You got to. Yeah, his interaction with Holly Hunter. I thought Holly Hunter was a great senator. Uh, Very she did. Yeah, I thought she did the job really well. And you could actually see the machinations, you know, of, of the from, from a political point of view, uh, that she, her character came across as somebody that was trying to do something for the greater good. She was almost like the Superman equivalent in the Senate. She wanted mm. to make sure that things were done for the right reason, that somebody just didn't take it upon themselves to rule the world just because they could, that that they still had moralistic or moral integrity. Uh, and, and I kind of like the interactions between Holly and Lex. I think that was maybe when his character was maybe stronger. Whenever... Well, certainly the... Certainly the get, I, when I rewatched this yesterday, I was thinking, well, actually, he comes across, you know, uh, better... It's Jesse Eisenberg, isn't it? I thought he actually comes off yes, better him. in this than I remember. Um, but again, I think towards the end of the film, he kind of goes a bit downhill. But he, well, I, later on, I'm going to, I like the fact that we had a discussion when we lasted the review of what we would do differently with this film. So I'm going to have a bit of a chat with you about that uh, towards the, the end of the, uh, the discussion of the film, the review. One thing uh, I wanted to ask you about is, what do you make of the nightmare sequence? I like that. Um, yeah. it, it made more sense in this film. Um, uh, yeah, in this cut, yeah. definitely. The extended yeah, cut it made makes more, a lot more sense. Definitely. Because you get to see Lex later on Steppenwolf, and suddenly you go, oh, so that's why the Justice League were fighting against Darkseid and his, and his um, minions Right, I get it now. Because uh, Lex had called him down, he he sort of they said, "Oi, come on down here and, and invade planet Earth, put put us on the uh, the radar." But um, I can't remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 it, it was the, it was just the weirdness of the nightmare sequence because I think oh, part yes, of the yes. film had is the fact yeah. that it, it wanted to lead on. Zach was going to give us bigger and better things with, uh, you know, Justice League 1, 2, and 3. Uh, and I've since since learned, as you may have done, how Justice League 3 was supposed to end, but we'll discuss that maybe towards the end of this conversation. Oh, please do, because I, I yeah, haven't heard. 
I feel it definitely benefited from the extended cut for the um, for the, um, the the nightmare things. It gave you a little more, a little bit more information about it. But one of my other sort of favourite parts of the film is when Bruce and Alfred are basically disagreeing on the approach to dealing with uh, Superman. Whereas, you know, Alfred is saying to him, "He's not our enemy. You do, you know, there's no point fighting this guy." And, Bruce is uh, saying that, you know, basically the, the common thing, you know, if we think there's a 1% chance he's the enemy, we've got to stop him and destroy him. And I also love that little vocal dip you get where Bruce sounds like Batman, even when he's not Batman. Yeah. He he just, I can, you can see the, the frustration, but with Alfred, can't you? Mm-hmm. Just thinking, I'm older than you. I've been around the block a few more times than you have. I know what you mean, but you are getting... You're going down a very dark path here, very dark path. You're going to end up being swallowed by a desire for revenge and what you think of as justice. But Bruce is continuously cherry picking the truth to support his belief. And Alfred can see that, that Bruce is actually at this time not being the great detective that he's supposed to be. He is supposed to be the world's greatest detective. And at this point, he's too blinded to his own Mm. inner dialogue. I mean, it's what I also think Snyder does well, and some people have criticised him for this, and there is probably a little element of this in this film that maybe he tried to put a little too much into it. But throughout the film, you see little things that are peppered that are like uh, a nod to other things that have happened. So, for example, you see the fact that at some point the Joker has killed Robin. Uh, Mm. It's not entirely clear Mm. which Robin it is, but he's killed a Robin. You know, we see the fact that there's supposed to be this nod to when Bruce is talking to Alfred where he says, um, and it's not been given 100% that it's this way, but he's saying, like, how many good guys are left? How many have stayed that way? Which is, I'm assuming, or I've been told, it's supposed to be a nod towards Two-Face. I see that people have gone from being good to becoming bad. Well, actually, I mean, even Red Hood, who I get the feeling that that was maybe Jason Todd's armour because Jason Todd is who was killed in the comics and comes mm-hmm. back again as Red Hood. Mm-hmm. I wonder, does he also mean his ex-Robin, well, Red Hood, the, who comes back as a killer the, for a while? Yeah. The, the confusion is, though, that supposedly, I'm sure they said Snyder said it's meant to be Dick Grayson who's actually been murdered. Right. And there is, there's rumours somewhere there's footage. I'd have to have a look online. But there's supposed to be like footage of uh, uh, Dick Grayson's grave. So, you know, changing up again to something that's that's a bit different. Um, wow. Uh, and then you see like other little comments they make where they talk about, uh, you know, they, they're given like little nods to either actors or actresses uh, uh, or people who are involved in the making of Batman. Um, that I just love peppered throughout the film. But I love the fact, that, I mean, one scene I, God, I remember watching this in the cinema and it, uh, I've got it. What I've done with this one is I'm playing it in the background now and fast forwarding to bits. But the scene where you are seeing, you know, Batman stood on top of a crane with oh, the, yes. uh, the gun, copying from The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. God, that was a oh, That's one hell of a scene. Brilliant. Absolutely superb. I mean, this is a Batman done the way Batman's supposed to be. Yeah. This, you know, I, I keep saying that this is the Dark Knight, but this is exactly what it is. He, he, he's, he's the Batman that we needed. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, he, he has so many detractors, 
I'm still yeah. mystified. I, 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 I do not understand it. I, I know there's probably some salty tadpoles out there going, he was shit. But please <laughs> let us, Gemma, Gemma let will us be know why. Gemma really did like not him? like him as Batman, so uh, I'd love to see what <laughs> no, Gemma Gem. has to say. Yeah, I, like, I really want to hear what people say. I, I, I think, like, and, and I'd like an answer beyond, because I really like Christian Bale. Take it beyond that. Why did you think Affleck failed compared to Christian Bale? I mean, I love Michael Keaton's Batman. You love Michael Keaton's Batman. <laughs> we recorded for two and a half hours, pouring <laughs> our love. In, into our microphones over Batman Returns, and but I see Michael Keaton's Batman's a completely different thing. Yeah, completely but separate. I've said it. I've said it, and I mean it. I could do eight hours discussing this film, and eight hours like praising Affleck in this. Yeah, trust me, people. You don't. I'm not lying to you. You give me the time. So me and Joanne sat down. We could just wax lyrical forever and a day about this film. Yeah, he's <laughs> just he, he fucking rocked. And I will take yeah. you out and fight you in the car park for anybody who doesn't like it. And uh, please watch it because you will not be disappointed. And if you are, again, I'll take you into the car park and pick you up because this is this is a mass improvement. It makes me wonder, actually, um, what other movies over the years have we missed out on? That never had the chance to do this. Well, well, I, I do remember watching this in the cinema uh, and the specific chasing when you first see the Batmobile. I just remember leaning forward in my seat and just being like wrapped watching it. Really, I, remember, I, I still remember it getting really into this scene uh, and just thinking, "This is just we've not seen you know chases done this way." I'm just thinking, "God, visually, this is something else." Because, like I said, I went to it the first day, and I actually paid to sort of do it in the luxury screening area of the cinema. Oh, cool! And I will not regret doing that. I mean, that was just brilliant, and we were. I'll tell you one bit of story, because I know I'm, I'm all over the show on this one, because we're not doing it a straight thing. But I've never experienced this before or since. But the day before this film came out, I went to see, uh, they were doing a run. It's when it was still the Odeon, where you would sit, they'd show the film. If there was a new film coming out, and there'd be like a trilogy or something before it. They would show that film. And, uh, you know, the prior film. And I went to a late screening of um, Man of Steel which was brilliant for me because when I saw Batman vs Superman at the cinema, uh, a lot of stuff came really straight, fresh into my mind. Like, oh, I remember that character and that character uh, from Man of Steel. And I came out of Man of Steel. It was probably around getting near midnight. And I was like, wow, there are people stood in the hallway going leading to the screen I was at. I thought, I wonder what else they're seeing because there's nothing else showing after this. So I walked down the hallway and I get into the foyer area. And this is not the ground floor this is like the top floor that's uh, really the, the you know the middle floor not the top floor and i'm like there are people everywhere what is going on and they were and I, when i say everywhere i mean everywhere and you look around there on pretty much every floor of the cinema i took pictures they were queuing up the escalator there were people all going to the midnight showings of batman versus superman my goodness because i'd I heard never, it, it did quite yeah. well right now from the opening yeah I've never seen a cinema that full, but the showing times they had, they had, they had it something like midnight, 2 a.m., 4 a.m., <laughs> 6 a.m. Yeah, they were literally showing it continuously. And I've been to, I've been around when they've had like, you know, Marvel premieres and they've not been that full. 
And to this day, I've never seen a cinema that full for for premieres of films. And then flips had the coin unfortunately when they premiered like because uh, I remember looking at the seats and they were pretty much all sold out. And I remember when Ghostbusters, the 2016 version, came out whenever it was. <laughs> <laughs> there was nobody in them at all. God, it was oh, a dear. shame for them. Oh, do you know, that's a film I actually watched. I went to New Zealand four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Uh, I was actually four. I was in I was in the Southern Island, actually, today, this time, four years ago. And um, and two years before that, I was in the hospital with a bunion operation. So there you go. You can't choose where you are from year to year. And and I watched it um, on the flight, on an extremely long flight. And I kind of enjoyed that Ghostbusters. Mm. And I think, again, it's because, uh, yes, I like the other films and uh, my brother was more into it. But because I didn't have any emotional connection to it, I watched it as mm. a film. I thought that's kind of just a bit of harmless fluff. But okay, it was one of those films that people lost their shit over. <laughs> I mean, going back to another another memory of seeing this film. Um, interesting. When I went to see it, I also in that on that very evening had paid and was going to see the band uh, Aha in concert. And I paid quite a lot of money. I had pretty much front row seats, but I was more excited to see Batman and see <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Well, I'm wondering you know, how many disappointed people there were, not not with Aha, but with Batman versus Superman, because I, I read earlier that the opening was good, but then it flatlined quite quickly after that. Yeah, just, I think that the sad reality is that it had so much to live up to. Yeah, uh, the expectations. It did. See, it went from a PG-13 in the cinema to an R rating for the extended cut. Yeah, and I wish they had just taken the risk and released it with the extended cut because it would have been so easier for Zack Snyder and mm. I think the rest of the DC franchise because they could have hung everything from this film. Mm. This could have been their foundation. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It really could have been something sort of completely different in the way it was done. I mean, again, looking at it, I love like, for example, the first thing you see Batman and, um, you know, Superman come face to face and they're sort of saying basically, you know, well, it's just, it's a proper brilliant, you know, visual standoff. Um, I think like just the extended cut, a lot of it is just little scenes that tie the film up. So it makes more sense. The story's easier to follow. You know, you find out that people were lying about when they were in uh, the, uh, you know, in the, it was Africa, wasn't it? Basically mm-hmm. where the warlord had been destroying things. You get more of a picture of things and why they've, why things have happened, which probably is part of the failings of the version in the cinema. It was rushed. Uh, it, it was, was rushing to try and do too much. And I would say, it, once, yeah. I'd say that's one of the problems this film had. And one of the things I remember one of my friends saying is that they were trying to do too much and get it too much light, too many bits of the comic in one film with not enough space. What they should have probably done is stuck to the original plan, um, which was to spread it out over more films. Whereas I suspect Warner Brothers were like, no, we've got to try and do like a big ensemble style film to run it through like, seems to be working for DC, let's push it, let's push it, let's do it. You know, now, some of the films I like about this, where it must be my my, my athletic man crush, where I'm just really impressed about when he's like hitting the weights. And he's obviously, considering everyone was saying that like athlete would not look right for this part. He, like I said, he got himself into a massive, huge, you know, 
massive muscle for this film. But when you see him also making all the really cool gadgets and weapons that he's going to create, and little nods that you don't always pick up on, like, you know, the rounds of kryptonite stuff are covered in lead. So, Uh you know, Superman's not going to be able to sort of see them or interact them as well as he would do. It was so good to see Bruce's razor-sharp intelligence. I mean, the guy Mm. is a genius. Uh, you don't see that as much in the films, and I think it was the first film that really explored that aspect, even even though it was only briefly. Batman, Bruce Wayne, is extremely intelligent. Extremely intelligent. Well, as a kid, he went off, travelled around the world for 10 years and learned from so many people, uh, both this, the uh, the fighting skills and the intellectual, the intellectual training that he had too. And I loved that they showed that. Yes, there he is. He, can, he was dragging tires around. And chains, which, which I did think, <laughs> I did think that was a slightly strange workout thing where you saw him like hitting a tire with a yeah. <laughs> a well, to be honest, yeah. Do you see, do you see the dragging the tires around? Yeah. Oh, only they yeah. weren't tractor tires. I've done that as well yeah, in yeah. training class. Yeah, it's a flip. You know all about that. And uh, by, when you do it, and um, so I, I like that they showed the both. Here was a man that was only not just exercising his mind, but exercising his body. As well, in combination, absolutely fantastic. But again, you've seen this completely obsessed look on his face, and you knew, yeah. you just knew that it, all he was thinking about was, how am I going to kill Superman? This is a guy, mm. I, he has stolen the kryptonite. Another scene which I loved watching as well, because you got to really see how violent Batman was. He stole the kryptonite from Lex Luthor's guys. Fantastic. Mm. Because again, it wasn't in the, the cinema version, so you didn't know how he'd got the kryptonite. Yeah, and it's the way you sort of, like you're saying, a great setup because you seem to just sort of like drop down from the ceiling on security footage and like suddenly disappear with somebody and then like mm-hmm. some, attack somebody again. And I do, what I do, I mean, you've seen that Lex Luthor is incredibly intelligent because he's managed to, you know, force the, the, the government, the senators, into allowing him to have access to the crashed spaceship, you know, from the first film. And he then managed to, like, co- to, to use kryptonite to, to copy uh, Zod's, well, to cut off Zod's fingerprints so he gets access to get into the ship and start doing weird experiments with the, ni- with the naked uh, Michael Shannon's body. <laughs> well, it's a bit kinky, that bit. It really was. Just a wee bit. Um, yeah, and again, when you seen that in the cinema, I thought, I don't really know what's going on here. Yeah. But then you get to see that all these experiments, and that he's also taken the time to learn about Krypton and their yes. history, and just so that he can get into this mind of Superman even more. I thought, oh, you're a much better villain than I give you credit for, than I could see in the other film. So yeah. hats off to you, son. Yeah, yeah, I can and see. It's like, Still don't know why yeah, you're doing it, but I, you know it's good. <laughs> but it's like little bits after the guy that you know Lex is allowed to go out to, you know the guy because the guy at the start you know gets par- well he loses the ability of his legs, he has to have him chopped off. Somebody worked for Bruce, uh, who goes mad and like again seeing the reality, he blames Superman for what happens. It happened during Zod's attack, the Superman fight. Then you see. You know, him spraying false god on a statue of Superman. You see the the anger and reaction that would come from somebody getting hurt. In the original cut, you see no reason uh, as to how information is pieced together because he gets blown up and everyone gets killed at the Capitol, but Superman people are killed. Um, and There's a scene where Lois is looking around his apartment and says, well, all this stuff, so he didn't think he was going to die. 
mm-hmm. and that's not in the original cut nor is her uh interaction with uh somebody like it's like a crime lab person that had so much more to the script it you know and it again shows what i do like is it shows the weight that would go upon uh superman's shoulders when he's clark well, how many Superman? Where you know people are sort of saying, "We hate you. What, we hate you destroying the world." And he's real soul searching, uh, and has uh, you know he's asked his mother for guidance. She's trying to help him. He then goes off into the wilderness, and he sees an apparition for some of some sort of his father, and he's trying to have some sort of interaction there to sort of like work out what to do with his life, and just things like this add a little element to the film. I don't ever remember if that was in the original cut. The, the dad scene yeah, was, because I remember thinking, right. why? Now, Clark, let's face it, <laughs> Clark, yeah. bless him, isn't the brightest tool in the box, really. He's not the sharpest bit of kryptonite you could come across. He's intelligent, but he doesn't have the brains that Bruce mm. has and Lex do. And even Lois, Lois is a lot more switched on than Clark is. Clark is really the big overgrown schoolboy that he's often described yes. in the comics. Yeah. He sees He sees the good in people. And I think this is why he's really hurt by what's going on. Like, really, really hurt. Like you would be if you've lived a good life and you've helped people. And suddenly people are a bit like how they're getting on about Bill Gates, microchipping people and all that shit. And Bill, the Bill and uh, <laughs> Melinda, isn't it Belinda, I think, call his wife? Yes. Their, their foundation, the Bill and Melinda or foundation, um, or Belinda, sorry, <laughs> have donated millions of pounds to inoculate children across the world and some genuinely wonderful work. And people are saying that he's trying to microchip people and he's involved in setting up the virus, you know, these mad conspiracy theories. And I'm thinking, Bill must think, well, go fuck yourselves. I have spent 80 million or whatever it is trying to help the world and you're crucifying me here for no reason mm-hmm. at all. So Clark must still have that same. You can see the genuine hurt and indignation in his face and his mom's right the world didn't deserve him but he chose to help the world uh but i don't think i think his naivety is such that he doesn't understand that humans because he's not human i suppose he has Mm. he he likes to think he he is sort of a human but humans are a lot more complicated maybe than the maybe his race where even though they had the bad guys like Zod and they put the people into the forbidden zone but generally speaking they were probably better people maybe it's possible maybe decent yeah whereas humans are just well we're more like cockroaches at times yeah sadly <laughs> true I mean, deal with. Well, well, one scene going back to the extended cut that I love that was not definitely not the original it's the scene where uh, Alfred and Bruce are in the ruins of Wayne Manor uh, and they're having a conversation about what Bruce is going to do that he sees that this is the most important thing he's going to do stopping this alien that he views will destroy the planet you know in this great comment where he talked about the history of where the Wayne family got the money from originally you know trading pelts and furs and uh, you know this, this great line from Alfred there falls the house of Wayne and these were just little extra scenes that I felt added so much to the story but oh yes one thing I'm going to ask you about because to, to move forward is how did you feel about the fight scene? Cause you have the entire thing of it's orchestrated by the fact Lex has uh, Martha um, K 
Kent kidnapped. They're going to kill her. He's basically saying to uh, Superman, if you do not uh, fight Batman, who I've pushed over the edge by feeding him little by little things that are suggesting, you know, the the entire reason everything's gone wrong is because that no one has held you to account. And he, you know, he, he forces Superman's hand. Now, Superman, you do see him uh, show real anger when his eyes like go to, you know, uh, you know, heat vision mode. <laughs> Almost like he's about to fry him on sight. But for a reason for for that for that happening, I, I don't know how I really felt about that as being the push. But I was going to say, how did you feel about the actual fight scene? between uh superman and batman did it li- li- live up to your expectations was it did it feel that it was a bit rushed could it would would you have done anything better with it because i i liked it i thought it was very impressive but i do remember thinking a bit even watching the cinema could there be a bit more to it because visually you know i mean they got the frank miller batman style suit perfect it looked oh, amazing Mm-hmm. absolutely amazing i think some of the dialogue in the fight scenes like where he says to him, you know stay down or, you know i could kill you easily if i wanted to sort of thing um so if i wanted to you'd be dead already uh i thought that sort of stuff was great you know i thought the fact that the suit was not giving bruce superhuman abilities it was basically just started to keep him in one piece uh and to withstand some of the pummeling he got because you know you can clearly see it's hurting him uh did it look, did it meet the expectations you've had of it having been a comic book reader or do you wanted more from it no i i liked it it did hit my expectations um i liked the way that bruce used the kryptonite at specific times mm-hmm. that was clever he used it as mm-hmm. as a do you know like a cs gas with him and it just mm-hmm. brought him down and you could really appreciate the fact that the effect that it was having on clark it that was done extremely well. I think I don't think it's a fight that could have gone on for a very long time because simply mm-hmm. because yes, the suit was there to support Bruce. It was like some sort of exoskeleton, but yeah. it was going to start falling apart after a while. I think it was lucky for Bruce that he was able to subdue Clark at that point. Mm. Any longer, Bruce would have survived it. He would survive. Now, there has been a lot of complaints about the Martha scene. And whenever I was going to yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. The amount of piss taken that went on about Martha. Why is he yeah. saying that? Yeah. That never bothered me. That didn't bother me. Um, and watching this again, I thought, well, you could. Because there was a wee, there was a wee bit more as well with Martha and Clark. And yeah. And you know that that Bruce has never got over the death of his parents, and that's the reason why he became Batman. So I I thought uh, Batman, his sense of shock whenever Superman said Martha, I thought was quite real. Mm. There would be a whole big dialogue at that point. It would be, what did you say? Because whenever you're shocked, sometimes you either grunt or you say something half on an, you know, slightly on intelligent or intelligible. I can't get words out now. Um, and and I thought they did that well. But I know it has its detractors. And it kind of mm. used to annoy me whenever I seen pe- people seem to focus on this. But in the movie, it says it's that, oh, they're, they're, they're both going on about Martha. But yeah, but, but, but both their mothers are called Martha. Mm. Um, I mean, maybe I not mean, ideal if we... you're writing it now, but it's just the way it's been. To, to be fair, Affleck, even, well, through Kevin Smith in Jane Silent uh, Bob Reboot, makes a joke about it. He goes, I can't remember uh, 
but what Batman's uh, mother's name is for some reason. And so it looks directly at the camera with like a knowing look. <laughs> but I, I like the fight scene. I've got to say, I, I, again, I've got to actually go in on front of me now. I love it. I love the way it's set out. I love the violence of it. I love the, the level of violence is increased in the uh, extended cut as well. The Martha thing, I do, I can see the failings in it, but, and I still stand by this, when Affleck is bashed to pieces and he's saying, you know, like, why did you say that name? You're seeing a real psych. To me, it's kind of a bit of a scary scene because he's so raw and on the edge and he's already going sort of like psychotic when you're watching him fight Batman. uh, Yeah, when Batman's fighting uh, Superman, he's going to kill him. You know, he's he's come to the Mm -hmm. point. But this isn't a Batman who doesn't kill at this point. This is a Batman who is so beaten down and probably fully had... I remember discussing this with my dad, and here's the, the crux in this film. Batman is a psychopath in this film. He'll yeah. cross the line and kill people and does it. And I actually had this conversation with my dad. We said, well, which this is recently when you, you and I were discussing it. I was on the phone to him, uh, having a, just checking how he was. He said, well, this thing you're doing with Joanne, which side would you fall on? Who would you expect? And I said, Batman. And he said, really? What? You know, he, my dad's always been a fan of Superman. He said, why would you think Batman? You know, he's been honest. He's really surprised. I said because Superman has a real strict moral code that he sticks to, and he is described as being like the Boy Scout. You know, Batman's a psychopath. That's the inherent difference. Plus, Batman, and you see it in this film, will prepare to the nth degree for the person he's going up against. So he will learn every single thing he needs to know about them—the weaknesses, the strengths, whatever—to be able to take them down. Yep. Superman just tries to take them on with decency. Yeah. Yeah, Superman isn't going to smash a a sink over your head like uh, Batman does in this film. (laughs) (laughs) And you could see there's the moments where where Superman's throwing Batman around and and you could just feel every where he gets thrown down through the ground uh, and and through the mud and he slides along Mm. the ground and you can genuinely see how how, uh, Batman's affected. You can see the pain on his face, mm. and you feel it with him. You're going, "Ooh!" And I think he looked scared a couple of times. Definitely, yeah. there was fear in his face, which you don't normally see with Batman. Batman well, looked like he, he was shitting his suit. Yeah, because up to this point, who will he've gone toe to toe with? Probably the Riddler, uh, definitely the Joker, because um, you know, you know, he's the reason Jared Leto has weird teeth as the Joker. So he's knocked them out. Um, He's probably gone up against, you know, maybe, well, who else could he have gone up against? Maybe say this is supposedly not to, uh, you know, the phantasm. So he may have gone up against her at some point in this collective universe. He's not gone up against an alien God who's like, you know, almost unstoppable. So the impact he's going to have on him will be, uh, would be, you know, be terrifying for him. I mean, the only bit that I found a bit odd in this film and I, on the, when it came to this big fight scene is when he's swinging, uh, Superman around like a uh, like a ball, you know, on a piece of elastic. That seemed a bit odd for me. I get that he was trying to really hurt him, and it's a level of violence. Um, but it did seem odd. But I, I just, I, yeah, I don't have a problem with the Martha thing. Uh, I do question the fact that we people act that it's such a, a strange thing because he's having a flashback to his own childhood uh, and the impact he has there. So the Martha will be a jarring thing for him. It's going to shock him into action. Um, 
the only thing I don't understand is if it was me and I'm about to be killed, I'd say, could you like save my mum? I wouldn't say, could you save Linda? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have, yes. You know, you know, my mother's no longer with us, obviously. But, you know, in the past when mum was alive, I wouldn't have said to like the guy beat me up, please save Linda. I'd say, please, could you save my mum? <laughs> I know. I'd be the same. Save Valerie. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wouldn't make it. That, that, that was odd. That was really odd. No, and saying that, by fuck did Batman save Martha? Whoa! Those oh, scenes. Well, I was just about to get to that, but I'll just say, <gasps> I'll just say one other thing before that. I am convinced that Perry White is fully aware that Clark Kent is Superman. Oh yeah, that man is. Does, he's pretending yeah. he doesn't know. Yeah, because it, it also goes into a point that's once said in one of the comics where uh, Bruce is having another monologue where he says, "I'm far, you know, I'm, you know, Perry White's far too good a reporter not to know that Clark Kent is Superman, and he he has this consideration that uh, James Gordon is too good a detective not to know he is Batman." Yeah, uh, there is um, there's a comic actually where Batman, there's a story where Batman and James Gordon get together once a year. At Christmas, yeah. just to have some it, day. It was, but, and, yeah, yeah. And the Dark Knight Returns as well. The two of them. It starts off with the two of them. Well, it starts off with a uh, Bruce Wayne's in a in a car crash, but then he and Gordon get together for a drink, and uh, Gordon said, "Huh, do you remember all those times you would have pretended to drink champagne?" And the hint was that Gordon knew for a very long time mm. that Bruce was Batman. Very very long time. But yeah, because Perry even says, "Where where is Clark?" Has he collected these three times and, yeah. and gone back to Kansas? So, yeah. Where that does was he definitely go? Where does he go? <laughs> he knows right. I mean, it, there's nothing worse for it as a line manager. You walk in the office and go, why is that member of staff left again? Where, where the hell have they gone? You'd be pulling them in the office and go, look, and also, you didn't write the story I asked you to write again, which seems to be yeah. very true. <laughs> Clark comes across as a very junior reporter. Yeah. Lois is the much senior investigative reporter. Yeah. Clark comes across yeah. as, as oh, not really sure why he's there, to be perfectly honest. Uh, well, I, I like the fact, though, that certainly with Lois, whether she's meant to be or not, logically it makes more sense that she's going to be older than Clark because she's a veteran reporter. And, yeah, because, I mean, obviously she's, in reality, Amy Adams is about, probably about 10 years older than her. Uh, Henry Cavill is, um, and I like that aspect of it. I thought it was quite good as a, a change-up. I do also remember, I know I'm interjecting with weird stories, but I do remember when Man of Steel came out and I said to my dad, look, this is this is uh, uh, Amy Adams, she's going to be in the film, and, and his first response was, Lana Lang? I went, no, no, Lois Lane. He went, really, a redhead? Because <laughs> she, she looks like you would imagine Lana Lang, doesn't she? She does. That's true. Uh, Lana actually appears briefly in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. She's one of the uh, commentators on a on a news yeah. program defending Superman or defending Batman. One of the two, anyway. She's, she's certainly on the defence for the superheroes. But yeah, that, that, I was glad to see a redhead, and, and definitely her character is so much better in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that okay, she she ends up nearly getting killed. Because she uh, she dumped the spear, the kryptonite spear, into I don't know what it was old swimming pool or what the hell it was. And mm. when she goes back for it again, when the fight, well, the fight scene with Doomsday's not going so well, um, <laughs> she gets trapped under under the building whenever it collapses because Doomsday sends out a massive surge. 
yeah, that the, the whole doomsday thing now. There, there's. What did you think of that fight scene? Great was seeing Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman was just yeah. Beautiful. I mean, Wonder Woman, fantastic tune. Oh, great. Yeah, the theme and my favorite. Well, I'm gonna, I, I am gonna discuss that. And there's something I've got to take you back, and I'm gonna, uh, you know, put the floor to you at the, at the for this point of the conversation. I'm gonna ask you how will. Uh, I can't think what the term is. Uh, surrender the floor to you or something. But <laughs> the, the the way I felt with Doomsday is they were trying to do too much. Doomsday could have been left for a future Superman film. But I get they needed a way, spoilers, to kill Superman. Um, I loved, and I do mean this in, with absolute sincerity, I loved the fight with... I did like the fight, the way it was done with Doomsday, but I felt it could have, it should have been given something a bit better. Like maybe Man of Steel 2, they could have introduced him. Um, I do love that scene where you, and I've got the Gal Gadot's choice, it was all her own, where she smirked when she was fighting, and when she'd been knocked down by Doomsday. And it was a question I've gathered, Snyder said to her, did you smirk during that? And she goes, well, yeah, because, you know, she's a warrior. She's going to like this. This is going to be fun for her. Yes. You know, she's going to like the challenge. <laughs> Wasn't that wonderful? I read that too. I, uh, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. That was... Uh, every time I hear her theme tune, I get really excited. Oh, I, God, it's yeah. even my ring... Love it's, it. It's my ringtone. Yeah. It's actually my ringtone. And um, oh, it's just so... It's amazing. She was... She just was... Oh, oh fantastic. Um. I, I believed that she had the ability to fight Doomsday and yeah. she didn't flinch. She went in there. And the funny bit was that whenever she arrives on the scene and she's fighting with them, that Clark turns around to Bruce and says, I thought she was with you. I thought she was with yeah. you. And really what's <laughs> happening is Wonder Woman's not with anybody. She makes her own decisions. And the way she left that flight as well, because she's seen this all unfolding. And again, we have these 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 intersections with the news reports. Mm. And she sees it. She sees one of these and thinks, I'm going to have to step in here. This isn't going terribly well. And she goes yeah. to join I, the guys in the fight. I like the little nods they do that were different. Where Like the scene where, to me, and it's a scene that felt really James Bond is where... And it's not just the fact that Bruce is in a tux, just the whole way it was shot and done when he first is interacting with her at the, not first, but he's interacting at the, um, like a, 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 some sort of museum event. Um, obviously, they're very rich and powerful, hence why Bruce is there. That felt like a scene that could have been lifted straight from a James Bond film with Affleck as Bond and Gal Gadot as one of the Bond girls. Um, yeah. Wouldn't he make a great 007? I, I, to be fair, I've said yeah. that quite a lot watching the film. If you think about the way Affleck looks, uh, if he was a Brit, he could, I think he'd be great James Bond. The person who I really want as the next James Bond is in this film, and he's British, and he's Henry Cavill, who was the runner-up to Daniel Craig for Bond. So I would love to see him playing James Bond. I think, he, you know, it should go, I think he'd be a very good choice. Uh, whether it happens or not is another thing, of course. Hard to know what's going to be happening to the new, mm. new James. Um I mean, it might not even be 007. It could be somebody from that franchise. 
they yeah. might they might make it a woman the next time. They might do that yeah. or make Jane or or make 007 into give it to a person of color. Uh, it's it's hard to know. Yeah. Um, some people go, hard. oh no, that's yeah. PC PC. But really, in the end, there there are people out there apart from cis white males. <laughs> people need to see other <laughs> other parts of civilization on the screen. <laughs> kind of there there are other people and i i think it would be interesting to see it to be honest well my my hope is still that henry cavill will get to to step into those shoes because i've got that he did come pretty damn close but uh daniel cray beat him to it but the one i'm going to surrender the floor to you joanne is let's talk about the batman warehouse scene oh oh wow Oh, my goodness. I love the fact that Alfred says, I'll put you in the floor above them. And they're all waiting there with their guns, with their rifles primed, ready to take on what they think is going to be Batman, probably coming through that window. And he comes he comes in. Isn't it the floor up above? Yeah. Um, no, he's they, in the floor below. And he the floor the, below. The logic wants to come down. To he sends up. Yeah. That's right. And he starts coming up and picking them off one by one. Yeah. That was how I imagine Batman it's fighting. Amazing. He's getting down yeah. low and and he's getting shot in the back of the head. Of course, we know that the cow's armoured. Well, we do from the comics anyway. And he's using the 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 um the gangsters, the, the bad guys. He's using them. He's using their own bodies against himself. Mm. I, I loved it. And again, he was pure menacing. He's all over yeah. the room. All, and he's getting hurt. And he's retaliating. Yeah. You're seeing a Batman there at one point that's pinned to the floor that's actually able to get up. And it's totally believable. I mm. watched that scene thought I could do all that. But then that's what happens to me. I get really carried away. I'm like a kid. Whenever they come out of the cinema and they're running down, maybe with a coat over their shoulders, pretend it's a cape. <laughs> well, that's me still as an adult, which is kind of evident, really, right now, because I do still dress up as superheroes. But yes, that was so exciting. Um, and even in the end, he, he breaks into the room and there's the KGB beast. Yes. And yeah, he, he manages to the, the, he manages to get the beast actually to set himself alight and covers well, Martha with his cloak. Yeah. Did you get the what that was referencing, though? Uh, no, tell me. I'm not sure. That well, a couple of things that are different. So in the extended cut of this, you see a couple of different things you don't see in the original, which is I think you see the breaker guy's neck. You definitely see blood on the wall when he's thrown a packing crate at someone, and the scene of him stabbing he Batman is stabbed, and then he takes the same knife, stabs a guy to a wall, and then like throttles him, which you don't see in the original cut because you see like blood flying through the air as well when he's punching somebody in the face, which you don't see in the other. Now the scene in question. There's a guy with a massive, uh, massive gun, and Batman bursts through the wall. And that's a pure rip-off of one of the scenes from, well, not, not rip-offs from, pure homage, but slightly done differently, the KGB beast, from The Dark Knight Rises, where this guy's going to kill a kid that he's holding hostage. And he says to him, don't push me, sort of man. I'm going to, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's copied in the scene where he says, I know you will. Now, in the... Dark Knight Rises, he shoots the guy point blank in this. He shoots KGB's thing and it uh, blows him up. And it was a direct right. like copy of that. But I enjoyed it better here. I oh, enjoyed I thought it. it was great. I, I, 
Yeah, I, I love the use of Bruce's technology. Uh, the fact that the cape was fire retardant. I love that. Yes. That's because you thought, oh, how's he going to protect the mum? And he, yeah. he, he, he throws the cape over. I love the fact that Bruce says to, to Martha, uh, I'm a friend of your son's. And she says, <laughs> yeah, he's gone. I thought he's gone you were. <laughs> hating, hating and with yeah. a passion to become in his body. Yeah. I yeah. found that a bit it was a very, Yeah. Do you not think that was a very mum expression? Yes, I, yes. I took it. You were. Or I thought you yeah. were. It's like mum going, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But yes, that fight scene was. I actually, sorry, I didn't watch it again because I'm kind of getting flashbacks now in my head because it was so violent and there was so much going on. I really could have done with watching it again to slow it down. I mean, I love little scenes. How I was overawed by it. Yeah, I mean, I love like when we go into the fight because Doomsday's been created and he's been created through some weird stuff with like Lexi's blood and Zod's body by a. Uh, um, by stuff in the Kryptonian ship, and the Kryptonian ship is voiced by the same actress who plays. Um, oh, because what what Zach does is he has loyalty to people he works with. So the voice of the ship is uh, is voiced by the same lady who plays Silt Spectre in the um, Watchmen films. Silt Spectre really? one. Yep. Um, oh. Uh, when you hear that, and when you hear the president being spoken to in this film, it's voiced by uh, Patrick Warburton, I think he's called, who played uh, Night Owl Two in the um, the uh, the Watchmen film. So I just love those as little nods. Um, things that I found a bit, I mean, that I loved in this is obviously you do have Wonder Woman, who's just, I'm going to swear, fucking spectacular in this. As she's in everything <laughs> she's been in. I just think she's phenomenal. Um, and I love that. The entire, I will remember being in the, cin- <laughs> in the cinema watching this with my dad. We both sort of laughed and smiled at each other with a scene where Bruce is sort of saying, what's going on down there? But like, oh, the chaos is happening with uh, um, Doomsday. And the response from uh, <laughs> Alfred is like, ah. he goes like, ah, 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 where to begin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally believable because that was going through my head I thought how do you even explain what the hell's going on because you would never have seen it ever what mm. what is going on at that precise moment in time yes that was perfectly perfectly written and I couldn't help but wonder did Jeremy Irons just just did he just come up with that himself was it did he freestyle yeah. that yeah because that's a word <laughs> because it was just it was perfect uh, and you could just see it was almost like you've seen it going through Alfred's brain and then out his mouth <laughs> because mm. he had no words for what was going on. And Doomsday, I kind of like the fact that um, after being nuked, that changed him. Yeah. And the, and uh, the, the, the funny if the, the American government came across as quite reasonable. Mm. Whenever they made the decision to use the nuke, and there was the, um, the 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 senior staff in the room, the military staff as well, and and they didn't take the decision lightly, and it sounded like a reasonable president on the phone, mm. and I thought, well, yeah. that must have been based on Barack Obama, because there's not in a million years would that have been based on Trump. <laughs> he would have been screaming. Dear knows what he'd been screaming down the phone. He probably on the other end of the phone was playing with dolls. Just Try and do it, do it. Going on. Yeah, do it, kill them all, kill them all. But uh, yeah, I, I, it was, it was, um, 
it wasn't a decision that was taken lightly, and I appreciated that in the movie. Um, it seemed very reasonable at the time. Now you look at it, you think, well, what we've just had for the last four years. Well, for, not what we've had, but actually, to be honest, once America breathes, what's it? When America sneezes, the rest of the world catches the cold is an old expression, yes. something like that. Yeah. There seemed to be a genuine feeling from the military in this, you know, my God, what we're doing has real repercussions. I also did like that when within this the extended cut, you actually saw more of the general and how he came to his decisions. Um, and also the fact that in this film yeah you know he came to how he how he came to his decision more of a conversation when he's talking to lois more of his involvement uh with the given her information i also like the fact that when they did do the nuke we got a nod to the dark knight rises again where you see like a really messed up looking uh superman um after the nukes hit him which yeah, is that, that which is so yeah lifted from the comic book it does i that was a dark knight returns so he goes to try and stop a there's a war between america it's funny, actually, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, um, it was Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I uh, said Rises. I apologise. Yeah, it was. Oh, no, you're right. I, I was just for a minute yeah. there, I thought, oh, if I got it wrong all the way through this, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, is the mad president in that in that comic book series. And um, Corto Maltese is the island, I think, that there's a lot the American troops are on. And mm-hmm. Reagan decides to nuke the island. And uh, Superman realizes what's happening and he goes off to stop it. And he takes the impact of the nuclear warhead and he's thrown up into space and he falls down again. And he and he begs the sun to give him back his life force once more. And he puts his hand on a big daisy and it, and he resurrects himself. And he does that whenever this in the film, he does that when the sun hits him, mm-hmm. he gains his strength back again. I thought that was cleverly done. Do you know, I do wonder... If you're not a big fan of The Dark Knight Returns, or or if you don't even have to necessarily be a fan, if you've ever read it, if you haven't read it, do you lose a wee bit from this There is that you, thing, yeah. Yeah. I suspect it could happen. I mean, the, again, you know, you go to the fight where Bruce, uh, you know, Bruce and Diana fighting Doomsday, and Clark basically rouses he has to sacrifice himself because they've gone back to the they've lured well sorry Batman's lured uh, Doomsday to Gotham because it's you know it's a, it's a dock area where there aren't many people because even Wonder Woman says why the hell have you brought him back to a city mm-hmm. and he's like because there's nobody here at the docks and also it's where the spear is so he's going to kill him with a spear and again I'm assuming Batman was going to sacrifice himself to do this. But in the end, Clark does it. And it's quite, I find that quite an emotional scene. He has it to was. save Lois because she's drowning. And mm-hmm. then he, he sort of says, basically, I will do this. You know, I'm going to do this. You, you're my world. I loved you, but I've got to sort of do this. And yeah, it's quite, it hits the old heartstrings. And you see, I always think it's a lovely scene where you're seeing both, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman there with the fallen soldier. And you see sort of, I think, a, to me, it's a very much a, a soldier's response from the way uh, Diana turns her head and he's sort of looking away from it all. Yes. And I just thought it was a very, a very poignant way it was shot. But And then in the extended cut, you get this weird shot of uh, Steppenwolf and Lex in the, uh, the, 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 the remains of the ship. Yeah, uh, that was a shock when I seen that scene. I didn't expect that mm. scene. Uh, and it does, it really takes you nicely into then the Justice League. Why on earth mm. to cut that out? I have no idea. But it was a very important scene. 
And yeah, it did. that shocked me. I thought, oh, great. And then, of course, he's arrested and taken away yeah. to, I don't know whether it's Blackgate Prison or which prison. I don't know whether it even says at that point. But might, I thought it probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure where it'd be, to be honest. No, I was thinking Blackgate because Blackgate's mentioned in the DC comics. I love the fact that it would seem that the prison officer and the warden of the jail owe Batman a favour because the <laughs> lights go oh, out. Yep. You, you, yeah. you just get I'm going to drag you back you're actually getting a wee bit ahead yeah. of yourself so I'm just going to oh, I'm, <laughs> fu- I'm going to touch on the funeral scene so oh in gosh Stanley I forgot Powell, about I love, that I love the fact that uh, at, the, at Clark's funeral at Clark's actual funeral you have um, you know you see extra things like you see the picture of Jonathan Kent being put into the coffin with uh, Clark and you see extra little scenes like the, the people, uh, you know, the, the, they're all having food at the like the wake ahead of the funeral, it seems, or maybe just in preparation, no, in preparation for the people who are getting things ready. But you see, like, the extra shots of the people at the funeral, and, for example, the, I'm assuming it must be Kent's minister. You see him in Man of Steel as well, because Clark goes to him for guidance, and he obviously knows Clark is the alien, but he goes to him for guidance. And you see uh, other, you know, like you see like Pete Ross at the funeral, other people. So that's the funeral for Clark. And you see the burial of an empty coffin at the, that's been conducted for Superman in uh, Metropolis or maybe Washington or wherever it is happening. And I do find this, you know, I'm going to be honest, quite a hard thing to watch. There's an element, I think, emotionally where i find it very hard to watch like you when you look at just the look on um martha martha kent's face at the funeral where she's clearly a broken person she's having to bury a son you're seeing other people emotionally having a real response to this funeral both the one that's like the state funeral and the the private family funeral and of course they always do what they do all sort of film-based funerals it seems they play amazing grace but that is a choice that does happen at funerals but i find this quite a hard emotional watch for me i also like the fact that they did the when you see the the military burial on the coffin they actually copied the superman uh, the death of superman superman live style black with silver you know s on it and i just like all these little touches it's quite an interesting thing to observe for me i don't know how you feel about this sort of thing it was it was the death of a, of a national hero yeah. And it just it touched so much more. There was the really personal aspect with the family and the friends and then the, the national and round his monument as well. There was something actually written on his monument. I can't remember. Something about if you seek a hero, yeah. look no further. Something along those lines. Um, yeah, it, it, I thought it was... It probably didn't touch me um, personally. If, if you know what I mean, it from an emotional mm-hmm. point of view, I just thought it was it was necessary. Um, I thought uh, Martha Wayne, she was trying Kent, to Kent, 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 sorry, Kent, Wayne's Martha been, Wayne's been dead for a while. I know. <laughs> Oops, I kind of didn't work out well. Um, that putting all her energy into trying to support Los, she just needed that redirection, which can sometimes happen with a a, a parent, and it's the partner that's left because I have seen that myself and um so i think lois is probably will become almost a surrogate daughter for her at that time yeah it's it's a necessary scene but it's it is it's it's sad and 
it's funny, even though I know knew that Superman died at the hands of Doomsday uh, mm. in, in the comics, I still didn't expect Superman to die in the movie. Well, I, 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 I really kind of knew it happened. I, I knew it happened. I mean, I do like little touches, but there, there, you, some will say the cheese, but they're obvious. Like where Martha Kent says, I need to get my my, my, uh, my checkbook to pay, and they're saying, well, it's been paid enormously. Well, clearly Bruce has, play, has paid yeah. for the few. Um, and then... I like that bit. Yeah, I mean, I love the ending. You have, you know, you have, uh, you know, uh, Bruce and Diana stood there and they're discussing what's going to happen. He's saying, well, I've, I've I let him down in his life, but I've got, I can't do that in death. We're going to have to bring the other people who have powers like you. Because obviously in hacking, jumping around a bit, but in hacking the files, which is what Diana was trying to get, he finds about all the other people who will form the Justice League that likes has been gathering information on. And he's talking about this. He's saying, well, we're going to, she's saying like, well, how do you know it's going to work? And he says, we have to get together. I just see this as, uh, you know, it's going to be necessary. They'll have to. It's just a feeling I've got. Now, I'm going to ask you, well, I'm going to raise something. When I was asked, I wanted to ask the question, what do you do differently? Because it cuts to what's going on here uh, with all the different funerals. And then you have the scene inside the prison where, uh, Lex is in there and he's basically been told to be prepared to be cuffed his head against the wall we're going to move you to another room and then it's something that you were talking about earlier so I'm going to hand the floor over to you again yeah it turns out that Batman yeah the governor and the prison officer owe Batman favours because surprisingly the lights go out and Bruce yeah. appears God Lex he looks scary like, doesn't he he does he Lex looks scary though, really scary yeah yeah and and Lex, interestingly enough, ha- now has the bald head, which we yes we all expect Lex Luthor to have. I think in the comics, maybe it's her falls out because of the radiation from kryptonite. Um, yes. But certainly on this occasion, yep, he uh, because his hair was being shaved off. And Bruce threatens him and he says, and furthermore, you're not staying in prison. Because Lex says, oh, I'll get off. Or they can- <laughs> yeah. I can't stay, stand trial I'm because insane, I'm yeah. insane. <laughs> he says, like, I'm says, insane, yeah. That's fine. I, I, I'm owed favours. I'm getting you moved to Arkham Asylum. I thought, yes! I'd forgotten <laughs> about that bit. Drops, oh, he's he just bricking himself at that point. Absolutely bricking himself. Because he knows that that is this prison. He probably thinks, I can deal with prison. I can get favours. I can get this, that. I can buy people off. Arkham Asylum, very different matter. Pure. The, they're, the predators go to Arkham Asylum. He will not stand a chance. Uh, the deviance, everything that's nasty. Possibly what is, I mean, you get the impression he was abused as a child by yeah. his father. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of predatory type person. Or whether he, yeah, I can never tell if it's sexual or just keep the crap out of him. Yeah, but he's going to be frightened of someone that he can't control because this is the criminal he's seeing. You can't really reason with somebody who's insane or buy them off because they don't see things like we do. <laughs> they're no. more inclined to uh they'll accept a fish or um a rubber duck something something really <laughs> random but uh, good luck to him because that i thought it was a perfect punishment for him absolutely perfect punishment for him couldn't have gone happened to a nicer guy i i also like the fact that it didn't matter how much money lex had he was still going to face justice he thought mm. he was going to get off, but no, in fact, he was going to face justice. So I don't think there's much I could probably have changed for that end scene. Mm. The well, one thing... 
Yeah. Yeah. I know one thing I would have changed about the movie. Go on. I would have given, I would have liked the reason why Lex was so determined to get Superman. We talked about this earlier and we had our own thoughts on it. I'd liked his reason to have been clearer what his motive was rather than it might be this, it might be that, it might be something else. That's probably the only real plot hole in the movie that I can think of. That and the fact that Lex doesn't look after his server room very well. Well, it, I mean, the way it fully ended was very sort of like, you know, obviously it cuts to that scene of him in prison. Then you see the the, the, the fabled photograph picture for that Lex has discussed where he's saying, like, you know, demons don't come from uh, hell, they come from the sky above us. Um, and then it cuts to, like, Lois putting, uh, throwing um, soil on the coffin, and then he cuts the coffin, and what he's, allegedly what you're supposed to think is you're seeing a heartbeat and the coffin shaking. Well, again, that's a bit of a mismatch to me of the heartbeat scene in The Dark Knight Returns where Bruce is supposedly dead. And his heart starts going in the coffin. And obviously this mm-hmm. idea to show you that Superman is still alive. Now, here's where I would do things differently. I would have changed the end of this film slightly. So, mainly in the order. I would have had the film of the, the, the portion of uh, Batman threatening Lex in prison uh, after we thought he'd die, after we thought Bruce had died, um, Superman had died. And then I would have shifted it slightly. So, I would not have had the heartbeat scene at all. I would have cut it to the fact of you see all the people gathered and you see the uh, and I will be very honest. I'm going to be laughed at by people, but I tear up when I see the bit where it's talking about uh, you having the, the, the audio voiceover from Bruce. And it cuts the scene where it says, if you seek his monument, look around you, uh, whether they're at the monument for uh, Superman, and I would have simply had the scene after that, where it, where basically the saying, "How do you know?" You know, Dan says to Bruce, "How do you know these people want to be? You know, want to to work with us? How do you know that um, we're going to have to do these things?" You know, I'm paraphrasing. He basically says, uh, "It's just a feeling," and I would have cut the film at that point because you see a close upon Bruce, and I think it would have been an absolutely brilliant way to end that film. Just cut it literally there. So you see Dan walk away. Bump, cut it. I think it would have had huge emotional impact. It would have been a far better way of doing it. It, it ends it on a proper cliffhanger to me at that point. And it would have, I think you could have just ended the film far better. Unfortunately, I think it, my friend, one of my friends, uh, Luke, once said this uh, about Zack Snyder. He never quite knows when to properly end it. He keeps adding a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And that's personally, I think you could have really emotionally ended that film and done a great swift ending that would leave you with a cliffhanger. I I didn't even realise that this, I seen the soil rising from the grave or from, mm. you know, the uh, coffin. And I thought mm. the soil was levitating. I didn't realise it was supposed to be a heartbeat. So that's how confused yeah. I was at that part. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. But I do think from an emotional standpoint that, the point where Bruce just says, you know, just a feeling where he's looking. If they could it at that, by God, I think that would have 
giving it a real different style of ending and would have really, I think, grabbed people. But that's just me. That's just what I feel. Because I think you're emotionally, I, I personally was emotionally hammered about the point where he's talking about what's happening and it cuts to the, you know, look, if you want his monument, look around. And Bruce saying, just a feeling. Bam. That's how I would have cut it. Uh, I think yeah. that would have been a great way to finish it. I think that would have had people really sort of like emotionally held with the film uh, on the ending. Because um, at that point, you wouldn't have known is Bruce going to, you know, is, is Bruce going to do anything else? Is Superman going to come back? You know, it's just, it's just stopped. And I think that would have been a great way of doing it. Um, yes. Why give really, people the hope? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that why and I also put that a bit of hope. Yeah. I couldn't believe around the time that Henry Cavill was saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in Justice League. I would have said you say nothing. As part uh-huh. of your contract, you keep shh, dumb and say nothing. And then people could think we've properly killed the character off, which is why I would have ended up that way. So I'm going to say, what would you have done, Joanne, to improve this film? Ooh. Other than, because for me, it's that ending thing. Yeah, uh, I probably would have uh, a full frontal duty of Ben Affleck. Would have been if you want probably that, top of you, my list. You, just go and watch Gone Girl. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Is he muscular? I see he has to have that build butt in it. <laughs> it was no. before he made Batman, so as I understand oh, it, he's, he's, he's getting into shape for Batman. Yeah. Uh, 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 he, and he, yeah. There is proper nudity in that film. Yeah, so but I, I wanted it. I want to see him peeling off his bat suit, and that would have probably been the highlight of the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, I would, I would love say, to have seen Joanne. Uh-huh. If you watch Gone Girl, right, you will see the the bat the bat uh, arsenal, should we say? Ooh. Oh, I, I, yeah, I remember that being advertised. Right, okay, I didn't realise he was doing that. Right, okay, I'm going to have to watch that now. Um, I also probably would have, would have made uh, uh, Alfred and Bruce, um, as I said earlier, I they would have been my new gay couple. And I think probably... Creepy, I don't know if that would work. <laughs> Aren't they like father and son almost? That, I, I know, but... We're getting just, into slightly know, obscure, wrong territory. <laughs> I know, you know, that, that, yes, daddy sort of things. And yeah, it's queen. And, uh, <laughs> and Alfred designing Bruce's new outfit. No, just in my head. It was just, I just loved sort of, I thought there was a wee bit of a chemical, chemical thing there between the two of them. Um, what would I have changed? I maybe would have shored up Lex's character a bit more. I know I said I would like to have seen his motivation, but the character came across slightly as the Joker at times. The bit in or the riddle, uh, or the worst the part of the riddle. Yeah, he just he wasn't Lex. Um, yeah. Lex needed to be a wee bit more contained. Didn't have to go down the Gene Hackman route. Uh, Lex has also been done really well in the cartoons as well. Just something. I think uh, I think playing a mad yeah. was a bit of an easy way out. Uh, that was yeah. probably the disappointment. But for me still, in the end, those extra 30 minutes or so over the cinema cut, I, I don't know what more I would have added to it. I think mm. I, was ca- I was caught up in the absolute joy because this is the first time I'd seen it. Yeah. Um, when you'd offered that film to me and you said, but we'll watch the extended cut, I thought, well, I didn't know there was an extended cut. That's mm. interesting. Because I'd kind of been, I'd seen the film, I'd put it to the side, I hadn't thought anything more about it, even though I have a T-shirt. Um, I just, it wasn't sort of in my radar. So 
whenever I watched it and I seen all these extra bits, yeah, it, it hasn't really hit me what I would change differently because I'm still really excited about what I've seen. And grateful, actually, as well. I actually feel quite grateful that I've seen a much better version of a mm. movie that, yes, I enjoyed at the time and I took it for what it is, but I could understand its detractors and knew it could be more. Well, it turned out, yes, there is more, and I've now seen it, so I'm happy. Yeah, I think I'm going to end on what I, because we don't want to take up too much time on this, because Gemma will kill both of us. Um, She's more, our dark More seat. me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So how would I do it differently? Here's the thing. I do kind of like what they do with Lex. They try to make it a bit different, so I can respect that. And this was somebody who was mentioned as being considered for Alfred. But I like what they do with Jeremy Irons, so I'll keep him. But here's how I'll change Lex. I'll change his star slightly, and I'll cast somebody they were looking at to play Alfred. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I would cast Timothy Dalton as Lex Luthor. Because... Oh. The gravitas he would bring to that and the sheer menace, I think, would have been phenomenal. Uh, Absolutely I phenomenal. I like it, sir. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the version I want to see. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. Uh, absolutely. I think it's a real trick. I think it would have been amazing, Lex Luthor. I mentioned that actually on uh, Bandflix pod with James, and he agreed. He think he thought that would be well. I mentioned it to a few other people as well, who all agree. So that's how I'd really improve it. I changed the cut of the ending, uh, the way I mentioned, just so I can sit weeping like a child, uh, watching it. And I would have, have made uh, Lex much more of a sort of threat uh, in the fa- and an evil casting Tim Dalton. I think that in the future they want to do Lex, they should look at Tim Dalton for that role. So I think he'd be phenomenal. So. We're going oh, to end yeah. it like uh, we do. Yeah, well, on, I was actually just going to add to that. And Timothy Dalton as well would have white trainers on either. I mean, he wouldn't get into a club with those shoes on. <laughs> Vouchers yeah. wouldn't let him in. A, he would be carded. And B, they wouldn't let him in with that footwear. So, yeah. If D- I agree with you. And if DCF are listening, come on, people. I know you've got Tim Dalton on, um, uh, you know, on... Um, on TV in a DC property at the moment doing Doom Patrol, but you know, come on, let's get him in a let's get him in a proper feature film as Lex Luthor. So yeah. to finish it up, to finish it up, scores on the doors. What are you going to give it out of five? Well, I think I'll give it nine, and the reason why I'm giving it nine is because <laughs> it's because of Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's the reason why I'm giving it nine. From an enjoyment point it. of view, yeah. I would give it a ten. Right, I just got out of five. I just got out of five. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, then, four. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you know what? I'm exactly the same as you. I'll give it four. I I, I love it as a film. I know people hate it, but I, I, from day one, I've loved it. I still love it, and I think it's just a wonderful film. And I'm just going to end on this one. Uh, Salty Tadpoles. One for the future for me and Joanne. We are definitely going to review Zach Snyder's Cut of Justice League. Oh, gosh, yes. Have to see that. I'm so actually really excited now about seeing that after watching this one. Oh, yes, please. And on that note, yeah. See, I made Joanne happy. And I'm hoping something tadpoles. Those who don't like it have got something out of this. Those who do like it have. So I'm just going to say... 
I think we've been talking of cinematic codswallop. So I've been James. And I've been the knight. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe. Bye.